I just wish that Harbaugh would ah, show some emotion and just like, so which is funny because during the game, you're he going is to so tell emotional. me that you want Harbaugh to show more emotion, but yet when he interview. shows emotion, everyone's like, well, he needs to just be more calm. Pick one. <laughs> Keeping you posted on the biggest contest in football. This is the rivalry. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Rivalry Podcast. We are your garbage-free football podcast for this season that takes place in the second summer of the year, as it looks like, because <laughs> it's 80 degrees outside. Jace, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, hopefully everyone's doing okay. Uh, I know for both Michigan and Ohio State, both of us had near heart attacks watching our respective games yeah. this past weekend, and uh, I'm still recovering, but I'm getting there. <laughs> so yeah, we'd like to thank both of our listeners for tuning in today. Both of them. Yeah. I hope everybody was it's, able to uh, check out of hospital okay. It's Anne and Mitch's mom, because my mom hates the podcast. So <laughs> both both of our fans, we appreciate you for being here. Appreciate it a lot. Yeah. Okay. So I'm hoping you guys are all recovering just fine after Saturday. I was a wreck. I was a mess. Jace, I'm sure you were. Well, we not texted so great. a little bit and yeah. I was not feeling super good at 17 nothing there early. I know reading my text, you know I wasn't feeling <laughs> great either. But hey, we got through it. We, we made it out alive, and I'm excited to get into this episode. Before we get into it, though, uh, I want to say you guys need to look for us at the shoe parking lot this Saturday. Jason and I will be walking around. Jace will have a sign. You won't be hard it, to miss. It's going to be real easy to find the Rivalry Podcast. I'll say that. So please come and say hi. We're going to be doing some <laughs> interviews. You guys can get a chance to meet us. We would love to meet you. By the way, if you follow us on Twitter, which if you don't, you should, at Jace and Mitch, J-A-C-E and Mitch, go ahead and tweet at us. Let us know, hey, we're out here too. We'll find a way to come over and meet you if at all possible. We'd love to get the chance to do that. Uh, also on iTunes, of course, the Rivalry Podcast rate and review because our digital team told us to make sure that you do that. Jace, why don't you kick us off with that team up north and how they did? Uh, they got punched in the mouth. They did. Right off the bat. A couple and, times. And I think, it, honestly, here's the thing for me. It starts with win the coin toss, receive. Never understood it. Don't know why they chose to do it. But you go out, you put out a three and out, give up a touchdown. Guess what? You're five minutes in. You got punched in the teeth. Yeah, it's not good. 17-0 early second quarter. And I I said on the last podcast, which again, Spotify, tune in, iTunes, go back and check, make sure that I'm, I'm holding true to this. I said the only thing that makes me nervous about this upcoming game against Northwestern was the prospect of, quote, another stupid Northwestern game. And it's 17-0. I texted my brother and said, hey, Anybody else smell a stupid Northwestern game? And sure enough, there it was. I'll say this, though. Don Brown continues to have the number one defense in the country because he makes the halftime adjustment. The stats coming out of, I think, mid to late second quarter through the end of the game, Northwestern picked up, let me make sure I get this right, 76 yards after being up 17-0. 76 yards as Michigan slowly mounts that comeback. Dang. So Michigan finally is able to establish a bit of a run game early in the game. They try someone. I think even the uh, the Big Ten announcer said "cart before the horse" for Michigan. Tried to come out slinging the ball, which I, I like that, but it's not working. You got to make sure you establish that run game first to yeah. open up the pass. That's that's basic football. They struggled with that early. Made the adjustments. Clearly, Michigan is the better team from Northwestern. Okay, there, there's no doubt about that. Northwestern comes out though with a strange fire. Pat Fitzgerald gets really amped up on the sideline. I I dislike Pat Fitzgerald more than I dislike Urban Meyer. 
Just wow. for the record. Just gonna throw, that. I'm going to throw that to the Twitter sphere and let them have fun with it. <laughs> but M- Michigan overtime grinds out on the run. Shea Patterson got protection. He didn't play well. I didn't think Shea Patterson threw no, the ball that well. Pretty. The receivers looked like they were off, but I'll tell you this. Shea Patterson's scramble ability keeps drives alive for Michigan, especially late in the game when Michigan actually did go up 20-17. to 17. Couple third, at least one, maybe two third downs where Shea gets out of the pocket, scrambles, gets a first down, and is able to bleed that clock out to leave him with nothing left. So, is it the prettiest win ever? No, certainly not. If anything, it's a wake up call. But the way in which that team responded, I'm going to take that away as a positive because, bottom line, you went on the road, you got the win. It wasn't the best, but your adjustment saved you, and that's going to really help you down the line. I watched the game uh, with a buddy of mine that's from that state up north, and I've been watching more games because we do this podcast. I'm proud of you, Mitchell. And I was really expecting, like we talked about, I, I knew there was a chance it would be close, but I was really expecting it to be a, okay, Michigan is going to throw it in overdrive and just kind of pummel this mm-hmm. team. And when it was 17 to nothing at the beginning of the game, I'm going, holy cow, because their offense was... Well, cause, yeah, because it's not even that we gave up 17 points early. It's the fact that we had no response for it. Yeah, it was amazing. Paul Feinbaum summed it up pretty well. Sports analyst Paul Feinbaum said that you could fall asleep watching a Michigan offense. And then in that particular game, yeah. especially in the first half, you definitely could. Of course, they went on to score 20 unanswered points. I think Jim Harbaugh owes Winovich, their defensive My player, goodness. dinner for a, a, at least three years. People like to talk, and again, I, I am a big supporter of people like to talk about Devin Bush. They like to talk about Rashawn Gary. They like to talk about Nick Bosa. A guy that is getting more of that name recognition, but not as much that I think is flying under the radar, Chase Winovich. Now, he's not flying under the radar to those of us who are Michigan fans who are paying attention, but that man is a man. I'm not and convinced he, he's he, not Thor. Wow. I mean, he he had an incredible game, and he really did. And even Quiddy Pay coming in off the bench helped to set the stage for Michigan to make that comeback. I, I'd say if there's one thing that I'm pulling out of this game, aside from you know the the details and all that, is the penalties continue to be a problem for Michigan. I could go into the Karan Higdon holding penalty. I will not because there's still no explanation from the Big Ten. Whatever they messed that one up, but there are also self-inflicted penalties. That against Northwestern, yeah, you, you, you're able to you have a good enough defense to be able to shut that down. But if you're, let's say you're in a tight game at the end of the year with Ohio State and you continue to get these ridiculous pass interference penalties because you won't turn and look for the ball, you can't give Dwayne Haskins an extra three downs. You know, it's third down, throws one up there, you don't swat it down, you, you interfere with the guy. Guess what? You're not going to be able to survive in the heart of the Big Ten schedule, which we'll talk about in a little bit. If you can't fix the penalties, that's a very fixable problem, and I haven't seen it fixed yet. That's what gives me a little bit of pause, but hey, you got the win. We're moving forward. Maryland should, knock on wood, not be a problem, but also Maryland beat Texas, so maybe there's a big question mark there. I seem to be the only one that thinks that Jim Harbaugh needs a press secretary. Because <laughs> all of his interviews, I just kind of leave stunned and and humored He, in regards to the penalties. Uh, their Channel 7 news up there. Uh, interviewed him after the game, and and they were asking, what do you think of the penalties? And this is, quote, what his response was. We want to get better in all areas, and that's certainly an area we would like to improve on. We don't want to see a penalty called that shouldn't be a penalty as well. In any situation, we are striving to get no penalties. (laughs) And everybody that's watching this is nodding their head and smiling like, yeah, that's a great uh, answer. He said nothing. I mean, he it's he the, said nothing. It's the Urban Meyer press conference. And he always does that. In another, or, oh my gosh, yeah. In another 
In another quote, he says, A lot of successful seasons start where there is a win like that. Proud of our guys, especially on the road. And this makes sense if you're playing at Penn State, but you're playing at Northwestern. No, 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 no. What, yes. he, what he's saying is that every team... Look at Clemson this weekend. Look at Clemson, number, what, two, three in the country, at home to Syracuse, should have lost the game, but didn't. Last year, two years ago, Syracuse, or excuse me, Clemson had the same problem with NC State at home, should have lost the game and didn't, winds up making the college football playoff. That's what he's referring yeah, to. Yeah, I just, he didn't seem angry. And I would, I, he didn't that, seem angry. And that's what I want to see. Like, I love Penn State's coach getting fired up and emotional and just saying it how it is. And we should have won this game. We're going to get into Penn State right now. I just wish that Harbaugh would. Ah, show some emotion and just like, so which is funny because during the game, you're he going is to so tell emotional. me that you want Harbaugh to show more emotion, but yet when he interview. shows emotion, everyone's like, well, he needs to just be more calm. Pick one. <laughs> Pick one. No, that's what makes it so Go fun. ahead. Ohio State with a big win this weekend. N- number four, Ohio State took on number nine, Penn State. They beat them by one point. Again, that's two years in a row of a one point victory, which my heart can't take any more of that. <laughs> They beat them 27 to 26. If you missed it, go back and watch it on YouTube because it is a thriller. Um, I, yeah, I just can't take another year. I wish we could take a break and then come back to them in two years because after seeing the exit interview of their head coach, I'm pretty intimidated for what they're going to bring next year because he was pedaled to the metal. We're going to do this next year. So I'm, I'm pretty scared because we have that the second to last game of the season and then we play Michigan right after that. So next year is going to be rough. But before we get there, uh, I saw that it was the most watched football game yet this year on TV and the top five ever, which wow. was quite a feat. Top five football game ever watched on TV. It was a record crowd at Beaver Stadium. Like we talked about, it was going to be really loud. Watching it on TV, I was intimidated about how well, you, intense you, you that crowd was. You can't help but be. I mean, everyone, the whiteout is one of the, we talked about this last podcast too. Whiteout is one of the most intimidating places and it did. I mean, in my estimate, I don't know if you agree with that. It did affect the game. It affected Ohio State a little bit. Dwayne Haskins, leaving the game, tells a reporter that the sound really wasn't an issue for them. And I laughed. I said, that is a straight-up lie. There is no way. Until I heard this story. For the entire week leading up to this game, when they were out on the practice field or inside the field house, they cranked the speakers in there as hard and as high as they will go. To the point where they actually broke the speakers on Thursday and needed to get all new speakers for both the field house and outdoors to match the sound and just the the oppression of that noise. So I'm like, okay, maybe they are used to it, but that is amazing. That's that's fantastic. First of all, you broke the speaker, but I, I'm kind of with your with your gut reaction there, though, Mitch. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's tough to replicate the uh, the idea that no one else. Every team that goes into a big stadium is going to do something like this. So to pretend like the noise isn't a problem, whatever. But you know what? You got the win, so I guess you can kind of say whatever you want. Although I I will say, and, and there's a poll out, or there was a poll on our, our Twitter account, at Jason Mitch. My opinions of Dwayne, I feel like were pretty well founded last game, or uh, last podcast. I said last podcast that I thought, Given the competition he'd played, he'd been overhyped. I said the same thing about Trace McSorley, lest you think I'm just being a hater, and that this would be a litmus test for both quarterbacks. Dwayne Haskins did not play well. No. Now, now I, I, can he- I can hear the anger, not from Mitch, but I can hear the anger right now of, look at the stat line, look at what he did. His receivers, his playmakers made him look good. 
He did not play well. He looked off. He couldn't make his reads. And even if you want to go all the way down to that second to last drive where he throws the ball and the receiver goes up and reaches backwards to grab the football and runs his way into the end zone, that should have been an interception and the game's over. Well, okay, okay, we could throw the ifs out. They brought a blitz almost 80% of the time. So he was, and he said he was not accurate. He said that he was feeling pressure. They weren't letting him throw the ball downfield. He was inaccurate, and his his completion percentage overall the game dropped to 57% out of the 75 that he has been experiencing. So he could agree with you on this. However, I do think that he has only played on the road against Michigan, at TCU in the giant arena, what is the name of that place? The We just got Jerry World. Yeah, <laughs> the huge place, and then at Penn State. So his three only road games are pretty ridiculous. So after this experience, I think he's going to be set up really well. I saw on Twitter that this guy said, I have purchased iPhone cases for $5 that defend screens better than Penn State. I just thought that was amazing. Wow. I had to, I had to but put also, that in there. also not inaccurate. But also true because most of the plays we had were screens. As far as Nick Bosa's uh, news goes, we saw footage of him doing some footwork drills mm-hmm. in a physical therapy room about one week uh, post his surgery. So it's sports insane. medicine is insane. I'm excited to see when and how quickly he gets back because he looks pretty determined. And once again, they projected that uh, at least initial as he was heading into the surgery that or coming right out, they had said November mm-hmm. was the projected. And I don't have anything updated that says anything otherwise, but no, expect him out for the month of October. And then I'm sure it's a if you want to use NFL terminology day by day, week by week basis from there for when he gets back in. But Michigan we can expect to see him by the end of the year. I can pretty much guarantee that. And I was pretty excited. I mean, there was people saying that he was one of the best, if not the best, defensive player in college football. And so for us to go into Penn State and beat a Trace McSquirly like we did <laughs> wow. without him, I feel pretty good. And I think the the nation does now. I'm looking at the playoff predictions and things that are coming down the line. Ohio State has four very easy games ahead of them. They have Indiana, Minnesota, Purdue, and Nebraska, all of which are pretty eh. And then we play a couple harder games where we still have a 77% chance of beating Michigan State and a 75% chance of beating that state up north. So 75 75% 75% likelihood. I'll tell you what, I, I will embrace the underdog role. And that's and that's fine. You're going to have to because now they're saying <laughs> Dwayne Heisman or Dwayne is def Dwayne Heisman. That's a good name. I kind of like that. Put Heisman. On I hate jersey. the fact that you just coined that. <laughs> I absolutely hate it because that's a trending hashtag. Hashtag Dwayne Heisman at Jason Mitch on Twitter. Boom. There you go. We made it through our biggest challenge. That's all we need to know. And now we just need to keep pushing. I think we learned from last year with Iowa that we cannot take our foot off the <laughs> gas at any point or else it's up for jeopardy. We saw that with Clemson. And so. Right now, the playoff stats, they have these computers that calculate every yeah. possibility. And again, it's, it's so far out, but we're a podcast, so we're going to talk about it. Right. It says that we have a 75% chance to make the playoffs and a 35% chance to win the playoffs as it stands. So I'll take that all day. I'm all for an Alabama-Ohio State national championship. We want Bama. Let's go. Yeah, I'm all for an Alabama-Ohio State game, too. <laughs> because it wouldn't even be within 40 points. Oh my gosh. Uh, one thing that I did want to bring out that kind of connects these two games together, Ohio State and Michigan. Fourth down calls. I saw this in the Michigan game, saw it from both Ohio State and Penn State. So let, let's start with Michigan. So let's let's go to that game. Fourth down and one. This is still when Michigan's trailing early. Fourth and one near midfield. 
Michigan, the week before, had had the ball on the goal line against Nebraska about three times and handed it off to the fullback Ben Mason because no one can stop that man. Fourth and one, I'm like, here, there's Ben Mason in. Here we go. Punch it right up the gut. No, we're going to fake it to Mason and hand it off to Higdon and get him stopped behind the line. I, I don't understand why you would not hand off to the fullback. So that's one. Now let's go to the Ohio State-Penn State game. Not to the, clay, the play that you're thinking we're talking about quite yet, but Ohio State has fourth and one near midfield approaching Penn State territory. Dwayne Haskins is a big man. And instead, from fourth and one of QB sneaking or the fullbackers, Ohio State puts Dwayne Haskins in the shotgun on fourth and one. I don't understand why you would, and then they don't get it. Then you hand it off to J.K. Dobbins. There's, in my mind, there's no reason you should be in shotgun on fourth and one. And then, of course, you have James Franklin and the beautiful fourth, well, beautiful if you're Ohio State, fourth and five call where you have three timeouts, one by Ohio State, two by Penn State. Three timeouts to talk about your fourth and five play call. The entire time of which I am laying (laughs) face down on the ground in agony, just waiting for this play to happen. And the call that you make is, I'm going to hand it off to the running back who's done very little. This, to me, is the college version of Pete Carroll trying to throw the ball from the goal line in the Super Bowl. It was the best decision in college football Why would you not hand it off? I in this it. case, why would you hand the ball off on fourth and five? I'll take it any James day Franklin deserved to lose that game from that play call alone. Woo, Jace is fired up this morning. I do not understand these fourth <laughs> down play calls. Get it together, people. So as long as Ohio State holds it together for the rest of the year, Alabama still has to play two ranked teams, LSU and Auburn top 10. Georgia still has to play four other ranked teams on the schedule, LSU, Florida, Kentucky, and Auburn. If one of them slips up, we are moved up into at least second place. I'm all about it. This is fantastic stuff. This week against Indiana, there's not much uh, to say other than they're 27-point favorites. It's going to be a breath of fresh air after a crazy week last week. I'm guessing it's going to be 49-7. to And wow. one more thing with that, you got to find us in the parking lot because Jason and I will be yes, there. Yes, please. Um, I actually picked 48-21. I think Indiana scores a little bit more than you think they will, but still, 27-point favorites. Uh, I, I also do need to come clean on something here before we wrap up. I had put two teams on upset alert last week, Ohio State and LSU. Yeah, let's hear about that. So Ohio State obviously does not get upset. They come away with a one-point win. And uh, I, I had this gut feeling, this emotional response that Ole Miss would go into Baton Rouge and take one from Joe Burrow and LSU, and they did not. Can you remind they, the listeners what the score was? Ole Miss got blown out 45-16. to 16. Not even close. So I'm, sports analyst, I am Chase. done trying to make upset projections, at least for this podcast. Maybe I'll come up with another one, but I feel like I need to take the week off to kind of cleanse my palate from that because I've, I've lost credibility here. As you should. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week. As always, our episodes come out on every Wednesday of the season, and we'll probably get into the postseason as well. Feel free to follow us on Twitter at Jace and Mitch. That's J-A-C-E and Mitch. Please rate and review so our podcast pops up right away. And look for us this Saturday yes, at the come game. Come say hi. Looking forward to seeing you there. Not just a game, it's the game. You're listening to The Rivalry.